0: T- take a shot every time you understand a reference
1: <laughs> you're not gonna be drunk you're gonna be dead welcome back everybody to Millwood and micah discovering avatar season two my name is amanda millwood and i'm a screenwriter actor director and a fan of legend of Korra.
0: and my name's todd micah i'm the author of the grim guard book series and i had never watched legend of Korra until now our journey through Legend of Korra so far has taken us to the halfway point of the series. We've covered Seasons 1 and 2, and now we are embarking upon Season 3, which, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this sort of lauded as, like, the best season of Legend of Korra?
1: Oh yeah, by far. And funnily enough, <laughs> I was actually going to say this uh, before you start with the stats, but when I was looking up the stats for the script, um... I saw on Google, it was one of the first, like, you know, frequently asked questions or Mm -hmm. whatever. And literally the top question was, why is Legend of Korra season three so good? (laughs) (laughs) Like, so I was like, oh, well, I'm curious about what this is going to say. And not to spoil anything, but yeah, basically every reason that they give as to why fans consider this to be like the best season, the most, I guess, complimentary to Avatar itself. Mm -hmm is like everything that they listed is like right on the money i feel like um so and i'm sure you could tell from just these first two episodes that like mm. yeah we're 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 getting back into the swing of things like
0: right, right. which we will do all that yeah which will we'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah season two what never heard of her so let's let's dive in because there's gonna be a lot i do have a lot to say and probably a lot is gonna match mm. up with what these uh these enthusiastic fans have praised it for. Uh, I'm sure I'll echo mm-hmm. some of that. But this takes us to episode one of season three, A Breath of Fresh Air. Boy, what a what a, an appropriately <laughs> named episode, first of all.
1: Probably the most meta title I think of any show ever.
0: <laughs> right? Considering season three is literally change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't fucking around. They're like, you know what? We know that the last season wasn't great. We're going to fix that. Don't you worry. Book
0: three. And now, time for something entirely different. <laughs> Literally. Uh, episode one of Breath of Fresh Air is written by Tim Hedrick, a very, very familiar name to us, mm-hmm. and directed by Mel Zwyer. Now, I dug a little bit into Mel, which if I read correctly is Melchior Zwyer.
1: Yeah, I I saw it as both, and I was like, you know what, Mel's easier. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he goes by Mel, so it's not like me being rude or anything.
0: <laughs> and and he's a great director for for Legend of Korra because honestly, he has quite the repertoire. I mean, not he in this function here, he's a director, but I mean his his IMDb goes all the way back to. Um, Kung Fu Panda as a visual developmental artist, um, <laughs> storyboard art for lots of like DC Batman and Green Lantern video games. Uh, was was a uh, storyboard artist on Legend of Korra. Went on to work at uh, on Young Justice again, another DC offering. Star mm-hmm. Wars Rebels, like yeah, just some really impressive stuff
1: mm-hmm. lots of fandom stuff that must be a yeah. huge uh nerd
0: <laughs> i know you'd be very really welcome in this nerd. circle <laughs> but big dc nerd and i'll tell you something you know people have talked about how between marvel and dc you know kind of the ongoing battle of who has better content the cooler superheroes etc etc for decades it's been kind of the thing you know people will say that marvel has the better movies live action movies but the dc has the better animated shows teen mm-hmm. titans the, the original batman and superman series uh the justice league series which i absolutely loved when i was like a teenager That i was like the meat and the potatoes was... harley
1: quinn animated show on hbo max is also fantastic <laughs>
0: <laughs> right all, and all not to mention all the animated movies that dc has been putting out of uh, the, the the just there's too many to name at this point but they're mm-hmm. they're great they're great
1: yeah now dc animation for their hero for their superheroes hits different it's really really good stuff
0: very very good and so you know mel's wire is a, a huge part of that um with everything from storyboard art to um you know direction and just a a huge huge part so we have a real true artist someone who knows you know the fantastic genre working on this and i think it shows
1: yeah and we're going to be seeing his name a lot this season i don't know about season four but i i looked ahead to see if he was in any other episodes directing any other episodes and he directs a lot of episodes this season so really we will be seeing his name quite a bit (laughs)
0: awesome okay um the uh the episode is of course animated by studio Mir. still so happy mm. to see them i feel like i have a little bit of ptsd still from season <laughs> I two know. i missed right. them so much
1: I know, you're just like, you keep thinking, are they going to do an episode with Studio Perot again? Are they going to pop up somewhere?
0: I'm scared. I'm so scared every time. I'm
1: scared.
0: <laughs> the episode aired June 27th, 2014. Wow, that was almost exactly nine years ago.
1: I know. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> let me see. If it was 2014, I was a soccer. actually no i would have been a going into junior year because it's the summertime so damn (laughs) now i'm 25 that's crazy
0: (laughs) and then there's me looking at that year being like yeah i was 29 life was what it was (laughs) was, you know
1: i had a full-fledged full-time job you know yeah life going on (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) life going on like a regular old adult you know (laughs) yes uh and the imdb rating for this uh for this episode is 8.3 out of 10 i admit a little bit lower than i was expecting for like a season premiere
1: yeah um i when comparing to the last episode of season two i'm sorry one of those is (laughs) way off (laughs) but uh yeah no i think that it could have been higher but we'll get to that later
0: (laughs) oh yeah we sure will but in the meantime take us away with some fun facts amanda
1: all right Korra's staff is almost identical in appearance to the airbender staff that ang received from the mechanist in the day of black sun part one um it's the same blue like design and i'm sure it's got the snack holder too we just never see it that i can remember (laughs) i kind of forgot that to my knowledge this is the first time that we see cora use an airbender glider because like obviously she doesn't yes. have her airbending in season one in season two i don't think we ever saw her use anything like that but now suddenly she has one and i'm like where did she get that from um it's such a little detail but i'm glad that she has it because like oh all, yeah. all of the avatars should have their own airbending glider um and then our second fun fact is that the conclusion for this episode's original premise ended after Cora's second attempt at getting rid of the spirit vines using the, uh, you know, the Unalak, I was going to say Unavatu, <laughs> the Unalak spirit water trick. Um, realizing the episode needed more story content, the writers moved the sequence of Cora dealing with the vines to the second act and added the storyline with Da, the new airbender, to provide a more personal resolution. And I think that was a smart choice. I think it would have been very anticlimactic if the ending was her trying to get rid of the vines. She thinks that she does it, and then she just makes it worse. And that's the end of the episode. Like, who gives a shit about the vines?
0: That would oh. have been very like on track though for Cora because they <laughs> no. leave the episodes in very sad, hopeless positions every time, <laughs> being like, Look, drama, everyone. Know, Aren't right? you excited? What's I'm like, gonna no. Happen?
1: how are they going to get this out depressing this? <laughs> yeah luckily um this season is not nearly as somber or just as boring as season two or as somber season one uh is that tone i don't know what i'm trying to say you know what i mean
0: <laughs> no yeah i mean what because i mean because the jumping off point really that i have is i feel like the adventure is back in mm-hmm. The continuation of the Avatar story, like, uh, like season three, we're making Avatar fun again. Because <laughs> make
1: Avatar fun again.
0: right, <laughs> yeah, let's make Avatar fun again. And and it is. I mean, again, just to jump right in, we're starting off immediately with a whimsical scene. You have mm-hmm. Boomy chasing around his spirit, which I forget his little spirit buddy's name boom june <laughs> boom june chasing boom june around he's knit him a sweater he, the spirit doesn't like it so boom <laughs> june is being you no know, cross with him and not not cooperating he chases him out onto a tree branch where he's there apologizing and then boomy starts to slip Boomjoom tries to grab his collar to rescue him a bad idea to begin with and then (laughs) boomy slips and falls out and would die and that would probably be the end of the episode um an appropriate end for legend of korra as they watch boomy's crushed body at the end (laughs) at the bottom of the shore (laughs) and korra's Korra's just like (gasps) What have I done? You know, <laughs> dramatic and directed right. by Mel's Wire, <laughs> but instead, Boomy puts out his hands so and he just like whoosh, he airbends, which mm-hmm. was immediately jaw dropping. I was like, What?
1: What? Yeah, um. When I first saw, well, it was in the trailer, like we see him airbending in the trailer and that obviously sparked a lot of discussion, like what's going on Um, and why are there so many airbenders in the trailer? Like what happened? And I thought that maybe he had always like this was before I watched the episode. I thought that maybe he had always been an airbender, but he Mm. like Korra hadn't just tapped into like the spiritual side or whatever and that. He finally unlocked it because he was spending so much time with Boom June and the spirits in the spirit world, Mm -hmm. like kind of what they hinted at. Um, I was like, that's kind of I guess that's kind of clever, like spending so much time in the spirit world with the spirits like would have unlocked some kind of spiritual self or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it just turns out that the universe has gifted multiple non-benders around the world, um, you know, the ability to airbend and, you know, that... I mean honestly it's not the worst like I don't mind it. I know some people are like that's just a cop out like and I'm like I don't know. Like it makes more sense than anything that happened in season 2. So Well
0: well okay well here's here's the thing. It didn't bother me. The thought occurred to me for a second that I was like, "Huh, it's kind of funny that people are just kind of randomly getting it." But I mean bearing in mind that bending was originally just bestowed by the lion turtles anyway there's a spiritual energy that's imparted there is something happening the lion turtles themselves aren't just like godlike beings the only ones of whom can like bestow bending i mean after all as we discussed um as we discussed um not too long ago in season two the the animals that knew how to bend they taught bending to people there's like there's a latent spiritual ability for these people to bend that you just need somebody to find and recognize the talent in you and just awaken it there's something latent inside people otherwise they wouldn't be able to just learn it you know and so like I didn't think it was that much of a stretch. The spirit world is directly interacting with people. It's just as good as getting a little like forehead flick from a lion turtle, you know?
1: Forehead flick. <laughs> Probably break your neck if that's what he did. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I I thought that was a pretty cool way to kind of without dragging all the un like the stupid stuff from season two, like I thought that was a good way to kind of tie it in and actually give harmonic convergence some like merit is <laughs> like a as some a you know, narrative tool yeah like giving it more than just a ticking time bomb for like chaos to reign like no it yeah. actually has a reason beyond that to exist and to have happened so i like that that they twice toyed them together,
0: <laughs> toyed a, them together.
1: For
0: a second um <laughs> but uh, you mentioned harley Quinn exactly <laughs> once and you start turning into mr j i can air then. yeah um
1: <laughs> no i'm very excited for margot robbie's barbie everybody <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so i did like that um and, and I the guess whole the-
0: airbending thing randomly doesn't it also give you a little bit of like x-men vibes in what way like so the whole premise in x-men is that um the the x gene randomly at some time during a teenager's life they Mm -hmm. develop their x gene provides them randomly with a superpower that they don't know how to use it they can't control it they're either power hungry with it and using it to abuse other people or get their way or they're scared to death of it sometimes so much so that they climb on a bridge to jump off of it you know like and the mm-hmm. thing is that Professor X and the other X-Men go around finding these people and then recruiting them to join the Airbenders, uh, the X-Men um, <laughs> over there at Tenzin's home for gifted youngsters, you know?
1: <laughs> okay. I. I for some reason i wasn't thinking that that's what you meant when you were saying like compare i thought you meant like the actual act of them getting airbending reminded you of x-men but yes the way you just described it absolutely yeah because it's spontaneous
0: it's as spontaneous as the x gene
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i totally see that and like x-men are some of my favorite marvel characters and movies so like i i totally get that comparison um (laughs)
0: i would have loved i would have loved tenzin's like pitch door to door trying to recruit people to be like professor x just like (laughs) him in his wheelchair just up on people's door in his business suit he's like you get to have a blue fuzzy monster as a friend this guy's bones are made of metal right
1: although that is technically the second episode but yes <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, but on the
0: whole premise though of the airbending and the and the whole mission though, like I just yeah. think the whole thing just screams X-Men.
1: Oh no, totally. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a pretty big um, uh, you know, inspiration for the whole idea of recruiting these new airbenders that are popping up everywhere. Um and speaking, this is a good transition, speaking of random airbender popping up somewhere. We have our villain, or one of our villains, of the season.
0: Yes.
1: Yes. You want to talk about that? Oh because yeah.
0: That's a so
1: highlight of this first episode.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, because because it, number one just comes out of nowhere. I didn't know like what it was. I was looking at. It had a very okay i'm gonna make another x-men reference again but it it Mm -hmm. was very much magneto kept in his like plastic prison (laughs) away from everything metal where he can't bend it you know where he can't manipulate it for us to be coming upon this prison of these like interlocking bridgeways that are dropping off the guard and then the bridge is closing again as they give him his food Mm. and apparently because i know very little about it just from you know the episode um this is somebody who the white lotus has put away because he doesn't seem to like them very much (laughs) yeah and his name is zaheer and he is an awesome dude with gray hair locked in a prison (laughs) cell and who was not a bender before
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that always was a point of interest to me personally um just and they never explained what it is well, they do, but they never explain like how this guy is a here, this non bender initially, obviously now airbender, um, how he came about to basically build this band of like super OP benders, like how he became the leader of this, you know, band of OP benders. Um, which I think would have been really interesting. Just like again, I feel like the villains in Korra could have their own shows and it would be just as interesting if not even more interesting than the main stuff um but uh yeah I think that Zahir is a really cool villain um now here's yet another Korra hot take um and this isn't like a spoiler or anything but and we'll talk more about it as we go along with the series but for many fans of Legend of Korra they find Zahir to be the best villain out of all of the villains in Legend of Korra really yeah no like he look at any poll for Legend of Korra villains he's usually at the top um it's it's a close race but he's usually the one that you know pulls to first um I like Zaheer a lot I think he's like super cool menacing and like you know obviously an airbending villain is just something you never thought you would see in the world of Avatar and so it's really cool um but you know me I'm an Amon stand like come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he'll always your be villains have to
0: have your villains have to have some sex appeal <laughs>
1: absolutely but also you know you got the mass you got the badass voice you've got just like just everything the charisma the political power it's all great um but yes no he's a really great villain um and we'll get we'll talk more about it but oh my gosh the whole build-up i feel like to his escape is so great Because we only see him in bits and pieces, like the shots of him. We only see either his mouth or, you know, his eyes. Um, We don't really get a full reveal until he airbends for the first time. And as they make it very quickly apparent, he was not a bender. Um, And yet he is able to take out like four or five guards very easily, like (laughs) crazy easily. But the reasoning being that he is a devout like, no, or air nomad Stan, like he has devoted his life to studying the ways of the air nomads and the airbenders. And, you know, so much so that he can quote this character, which mm-hmm. we never heard of before this Guru Lahima, um, you know, almost like a Bible verse or something. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it stands to reason that in all this time that he's been in this prison, which, has been 15 years i believe for all the all the characters that are in the prisons that they break out um that he could have studied you know bagua basically the 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 motions of airbending um in his cell and that way when he finally got airbending you know he was able Mm -hmm. to apply it (laughs) so um but yeah, it's it's so cool. It's a great fight scene. Um, I'm so sad that they get rid of his hair later. Oh, it's so much cooler.
0: Wow, yeah. spoiler.
1: I know. That's a huge spoiler. <laughs> no. um, yeah, they do end up shaving his hair so he can look more like an air nomad. But like, come on, that hair and the beard combo was chef's kiss. Um, we love <laughs> so a
0: silver fox.
1: I'm still so mad about it. <laughs> like oh my god and the raggedy well, and,
0: clothes like <laughs> and like and i don't and tell me if they like go into more about it so like you don't answer the question if it's gonna mm-hmm. spoil anything but like the guy also like he had to have been locked away on this precipice being fed through you know the bars and everything for a reason mm-hmm. is the guy just like a master of martial arts is, is he an assassin like how is he so skilled at, at like fighting in general because without airbending there has to be a reason why they would keep somebody locked away like he's lector
1: oh yeah and there is um and it's explained later in this season um, okay. why him and his you know comrades his his gang of benders uh are all locked up in the different various prisons but um yeah it would be a spoiler to tell you why
0: <laughs> no yeah no worries oh, no worries yeah yeah that is awesome i like how it's kind of saved at the end of the episode it was almost for me it was kind of like a you know, the movie's not long enough where obviously this is no spoiler, but it's like Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the ending of the movie happens, or the last of the main characters, you know, we see them vanish in in a ball of light, and then the camera pans up and away from the planet and off into space. And, like, literally, people in the theater were like, all right, well, movie's over, and the next thing we saw was see Darth Vader's shuttle. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> and that was kind of where this was. I was like, "All right, I'm ready for the skip the next episode." I was ready to write the next episode title in my notes, and all of a sudden, I see a precipice of stone with a cell and guards walking across metal planks, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "What? Is, what, what is? What <laughs> is this?" <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: I get that. Uh, Little mermaid reference, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no it's it's a really good way to kind of top off the whole episode and of course we start with the end as per usual um yeah but i think that that's something legend does does really good it or really good uh really well is you do that ending.
0: real good
1: you do that real good legend of Korra. why use uh, many
0: word when few word do tricks literally <laughs>
1: um, why english so complicated um <laughs> but uh yeah no legend of Korra is very good at ending episodes and like hooking you whether it's because something bad happens or something dramatic happens or in this case something badass happens you know with the introduction of our main villain of the series or not series but of the season um so yeah i love it i love the whole ending part of the episode um but i do
0: really like the way that they introduce a new villain for every season because Avatar didn't really have that. I mean they did, but they didn't. Because like one could argue that General Zhao was more the key villain in Avatar season one. Because I mean his arc leads up to the attack on the water mm. tribe. And then um <laughs> sorry, the way I phrased that just made me think of what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? It's like what about the Fire Nation attack on the Water Tribe? <laughs> <laughs> the attack oh, on the water tribe is led by General Zhao, and then he like dies, oh, excuse me, he gets taken to the spirit world at the end of it, right, so like that kind of wraps, and then, like very clearly, like Azula is the villain, even though she doesn't like die at the end of season two. She is like the main villain for season two. And then, you know, Fire Lord is the villain for Season 3. But none of them are really, like, introduced brand new. Like, uh, you know, and then and then only appear for the season, then, like, die at the end of the season, except for Zhao. Like, Ozai's there Whoa. the entire time. And Azula doesn't really start in Season 2. She starts at the end of Season 1. And then she's still there at the end of Season 3.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know, because I feel like for every season of Avatar, you have your main villain and then you have your secondary villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that you you could argue that for um, Legend of Korra season one as well, with, you know, Amon being the main villain and then Tarlok being the secondary villain. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, season one of Avatar, you had... I would say Zuko is actually the main villain of season one, mm. and I know it's hard to remember. Like, wow, way back he actually was the villain for the first season. Well, um, yeah, but the secondary villain definitely was Zhao. Um, and then by season two, you had Azula who was the main villain. But then halfway through the season, we get introduced to Long Fang and the Dai Li, and I think like that was kind of those were kind of the secondary villains in uh, right. you know the Earth Kingdom. And then when we get to, you know, um, uh, season three, there we go. um, It's obviously Fire Lord Ozai. And then I would even say Azula was the secondary villain at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, Right. But, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like it's, it's different because each, at least so far, each season of Legend of Korra has felt very isolated. It feels like the villain's, also are isolated but they feel
0: almost like the almost like bad guy of the week but it's not like that it's not like they pop up in an episode yeah. and die in an episode but it's like oh here's our season's villain well we know they'll be defeated by the end and then because that's what happened with aman and tarlock that's what mm-hmm. happened with uh, Unalak Una, in season two and Batu, <laughs> and now here we are again. And I'm just like, well, okay, here they are. Here we are. They're awesome, but I'm like, I'm catching a trend, a Legend of Korra, where we kind of create a villain at the start and then we carry them through. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's just an interesting observation that we have a little more of every season kind of having their encapsulated villains mm. of like who I wouldn't even say lives and dies because, for example, uh, Varric didn't die, he right. escaped. But he's, you know, his his emphasis or his relevance, you know, is gone, at least for the moment.
1: Right. No, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, makes Legend of Korra unique compared to Avatar. And I that's why I love it, you know, in terms of its villains, except for, you know, season two. Um, <laughs> but which one
0: do you like? Which way do you like better, though?
1: Ugh, man... I mean, I'm going to say just from a story standpoint, Avatar does its villains better just because they actually, their presence can be felt even when they're not there, like on screen or within the story in the episode. Um, Whereas, you know, and it sucks because you have these great villains like Amon and Tarlok, for instance, in season one, Mm -hmm. and they're fantastic. But we literally, aside from maybe one reference that I can think of, um, actually, in this season, we never hear or think about them again. I mean, I do, but mm-hmm, like the right. show doesn't. and it's so sad because like the they should have rippled throughout the rest of the seasons. The impacts that these villains have right. should ripple throughout the whole story um, to show you know the growth of the characters and learning from the villains and all that fun stuff. Right. And they kind of do that with this season into season four. Like there definitely mm-hmm. is a lot more of that ripple effect I'm talking about from Zahir and his gang into season four, but um, not so much for season one and two, obviously. But right. so I would say overall, I think that Avatar handles its villains better, just in terms of like writing the story around them. Yeah. But I think that Avatar, uh, sorry, Legend of Korra, actually has more interesting villains. I would have liked to have seen more of. Uh, you
0: know, but yeah, but we get, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, and I, and I see exactly what you're saying, you know, in a way the, 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 the ultimate thing to do would have been a way or would be in the future, they're Mm -hmm. writing another avatar show. would be to take the best of both have have like the villains in avatar have enduring villains overarching bad guys that span more than one season Mm -hmm. not you know azula was there for two seasons zuko started as the villain and he evolved into a sympathetic character with a redemption arc over all three seasons of the show Mm -hmm. fire lord ozai existed from the very start but we only saw little glimpses of him hear his voice see him in a flashback or something until finally in season three we're interacting with him on the regular and take those long take that mix of like large overarching villains and then have those secondary villains like xiao who pop up and then get dragged off to the spirit world you know <laughs> but you have that but then have them have each of those characters have depth and here's the thing i think that's missing a little bit why it feels like to me in the avatar the villains are great zuko's mm-hmm. a great character azula is an amazing character fire lord ozai is cool even though he's not particularly deep the guy's about as deep yeah. as a puddle of water you know <laughs> he doesn't really have any depth to him but he has a lot of presence a lot of a lot of charisma right but but the thing is that they're all kind of cookie cutter of themselves in a little way because they're all very their origins are all simple they're often the same family for crying out loud like the, right. you know with with cora i hear totally what you're saying aman has a very very unique backstory that's carved out that's just all his own and then Tarlok, Tarlok has his backstory that he's Korra's uncle and has this, you know, uh, or Unlock, I'm trying to say, Unlock has, mm-hmm. you know, he's Korra's uncle and he's got this whole idea, this whole philosophy carved out for himself about the way the world works. And then now we've got these captives of the White Lotus, you know, starting with Zahir and others we'll talk about in the second episode. And they've very clearly got a very unique origin as to why they exist. In the Avatar, they're great villains. And just for the nature of the beast, unfortunately, they all just share a very common origin. They're the Mm -hmm. royal family of the Fire Nation. So yeah, they have these long-spanning villains, but give them variety. Make them come from different, unique places. Give them interesting reasons to work together with each other, because there's nothing like villain chemistry with each other.
1: (laughs) Right? We love to see it.
0: (laughs) We do. We do love to see it.
1: Although, funnily enough... (laughs) You just mentioning how you know most of the villains in Avatar all come from the same family and are all related. I just couldn't help but think of like some strange, twisted parody of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but it's the Fire Nation family, like the royal, not Fire Nation family. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so fucked up, <laughs> but it's, like so, we love the drama. <laughs> Call My gosh. <laughs>
0: That my gosh, that's so funny. Now I'm like envisioning the entire thing in my head of like keeping up the Kardashians, but it's a Fire Nation.
1: Fire Nation edition.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. they, they, they don't really the
1: have
0: ash. last names. <laughs> they put the Ash in Kardashians. <laughs> yes. Oh
1: man.
0: That's, that's so good.
1: Yes. Well, so we've gone on about villains long enough. Um, I have we really have
0: we have we really? <laughs>
1: not not quite yet but we gotta get to the second episode in order to get that so was there anything more about this episode that you wanted to uh talk about before we move on to the next one i
0: mean we could tackle one overarching thing that kind of spans um this episode which is this whole idea that cora leaving the bridge between Mm -hmm. the human world and the mortal world physical world i guess is the right term for it the physical Mm -hmm. world and the spirit world left it open good idea bad idea now you already told me your thought on that in the last episode that you were like bad idea cora ultimately objectively bad idea
1: right
0: you want to reiterate for me the reasons why you think that is especially in context of this episode like you kind of just threw it out there last time like probably not good and i was like yeah it doesn't sound great and now we're seeing the actual repercussions of it
1: Right. Which I do like, again, I'm glad that they didn't just find a quick fix that even when we thought that she was going to fix the whole thing with the spirit vine water and all that, like, no, it actually just made it worse. Um, And yeah, I think that like, obviously, her heart was in the right place. And she was just trying to do what she thought was right. But ultimately, I think that we see that the spirit world and the human world colliding like this and mixing, it just doesn't work. Because spirits don't like humans they haven't liked humans from the beginning of time humans are afraid of spirits and don't understand them because they're you know spirits and so you know i know that the avatar is supposed to be the bridge between them and all that and like get them to get along but like i'm sorry <laughs> it kind of it almost finally enough reminds me of the great divide episode um <laughs> from uh, avatar where you have these two tribes that have been warring and feuding for like generations. And the only way to get them to cooperate with each other is to lie because there's no other way that these two would ever work together or just even harmoniously coexist. And I feel like that's the same with spirits and humans. (laughs) Maybe I'm just a pessimist, but (laughs) like, sorry, we should keep them separate. (laughs)
0: Yeah, like honestly there, if you like, well, it's not even so much like, like I'll agree with you and I'll take it a step further. You know, the thing about it is that core isn't even acting as an intermediary. It's mm-hmm. like putting two people who don't get along like an arguing couple and putting them in the same room and instead of sitting down with each of them and trying to like get their points heard and like being a mediator between the other side, you just put them in the room when they start fighting, you open the door again, hearing them from the other room and you're like, you guys get along with each other, love each other and they just slam the door and you walk out again. like you're not helping. you're not being a bridge. you're just forcing them to interact and then you're surprised when it doesn't work.
1: Well, to be fair, she did say at the very end, literally the last scene of season two, that she would no longer be the bridge. So she's just kind of trying to deal with it like everybody else. Like, yeah, I don't really like it either, but we're just going to have to get used to it because I made an oopsie.
0: (laughs) Right. But she doesn't even own it like it's an oopsie. She's like, oh, I wonder if this is a bad idea. And it's like, well, you, I don't get why she can't just go back and close it now.
1: Well, I think that it's more a thing of like, the damage has been done at this point. And by keeping them open, um, if she were to, you know, redact that and try to go close them again, it would be like, I don't know, like, I'm I'm trying to word this the right way, but I don't think I can. Um, Yeah, I just think that she's trying to make it work. And she doesn't want to have to go back to the way that things were before when the portals were closed and the worlds were separate. Um, That this is a new age, that there are new changes happening within the world, within new airbenders and all that. And, like, yeah, it's an adjustment period. It's only been two weeks since the attack from, you know, utter chaos and darkness and harmonic convergence and all that. Um, So obviously because the story demands it they do start to find ways to live oh, together sure. yeah but yeah it's it's not looking good for the first <laughs> for the first couple of months uh, after the there's Cora the there's city.
0: cora just like with her head in her hands and she's like oh have you seen my imdb ratings they very, <laughs> very clearly people aren't happy tenzin right. yes <laughs> And oh, Tenzin's like, weird. I gave it the episode a 9.5. <laughs> like, well, of course, <laughs> Tenzin, you're biased.
1: I love it. Yeah, but that actually um leads to a really sweet scene with Tenzin. Um, that I really liked where he's sitting out, you know, in the grass and he's looking out over to Memorial or sorry, Avatar Aang Memorial Island with, you know, the giant statue mm-hmm. of Aang, and he's getting all emotional because obviously, you know, all these new airbenders are popping up and is this in this episode or is this the next one
0: no it's it's this one no because he like tells her that like you make your decisions and there are some people who are going to be happy with it and some people who are not going to be happy yeah
1: okay yeah 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 um and yeah so he's like getting all emotional because all the new airbenders are popping up and he wishes that could have been alive to see you know basically the rebuilding of his nation and uh so yeah it's just a really sweet personal moment i love Tenzin so much and like he was getting nothing but shit on last season, so like, um, right, exactly. So I badly, see- I do love seeing more of him at least in this first half of uh season three. But, um, yeah, so overall, I think it's wow. a really solid what, what,
0: wait. Stop, wait, what happens to Tenzin in the second half of season three? Uh, is Tenzin all right? <laughs> is Where is right? Tenzin? Is, he, is safe? he safe? Is he all right? <laughs>
1: It seems that in the writer's room they killed. No! No!
0: No! <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> I'll just Sorry, let you think no. about that. Sorry, true or not, That was, that's hilarious. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Liar! He was he was alive, I felt it. <laughs> oh
1: my god, we were spiraling. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, anything else about this first episode?
0: No, no, this has been a doozy so far. Um <laughs> right. No, and I love the way that after Cora gets banished, which <clears throat> overdue, um, but after she's get gone from out the, here. <laughs> get out of here, from the moment she wrecked the police station, the should have just kicked her out. <laughs> right. So you, when you break up with Mako, you break up with all of Republic City. You mess with you mess with all of us. Oh no, <laughs> not Spider Man. The, fa- the Mako fandom comes out to play
1: literally just you and that one other guy
0: it's it's just me with a mako did nothing wrong t-shirt oh
1: my god
0: i'm gonna get that t-shirt i'm gonna get it made i'm gonna
1: get it made i'm aware i am
0: (laughs) yeah no so uh the episode the episode is very good and like i said uh the the adventure is back at the beginning it starts on a real whimsical note it takes us uh, through this spiraling storyline to kick things off of the issue with the spirits Of the um, the, the guy who get randomly gets the airbending and, and, and she has to save him on the bridge and talk him down um, and, and then we also have the appearance of Zaheer so we got our villain at the very end, but you know, team avatar is all like teamed up and like ready to, ready to go with a new plan of what they're going to do. This episode ends mm-hmm. on a strong, positive note and then teases the villain. Like it's a great right. ending. It's a, it's an awesome premiere. Um, <laughs> certainly better than season two. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give this episode, uh, a very, uh, a very optimistic, uh, 8.5 i really really enjoyed it a lot
1: you know what i think i'm actually going to agree really yeah yeah no i i really like this episode i think that it it really is a breath of fresh air no pun intended um and uh you know i like that like i said that they bring some things over from season two but that the vibe and the overall feeling of this season is nothing like season two from the animation Mm -hmm. to the writing to, you know, just the story overall, like it's very, very different and it's good, you know, change. That's the, that's the whole point of this season is the change that the characters and that the world is going through because of season two um, and the audience goes through. So you know changing our minds on should we continue watching this or not <laughs> um which it turns to yes absolutely continue to watch because it's incredible um so yeah i would give this a very solid 8.5 out of 10.
0: nice very nice well this leads us to episode two rebirth the episode is written by joshua hamilton who once again we know him very well welcome to season three josh it's directed by colin heck a uh, name that we've gotten to know very well from season two so power colin, duo. <laughs> yeah right love to see this combo Joshua. We, we've called out these like power duos of 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 writing and directing in avatar and i really feel like joshua hamilton and colin heck are like an awesome awesome combo
1: mm-hmm.
0: the episode is animated beautifully by studio Mir. The episode aired June 27th, 2014, and the IMDb rating of Rebirth is a robust 8.5 out of 10. Why did you take us away with those fun facts, Amanda?
1: All right. So for our, <clears throat> excuse me, for our first fun fact, um, the voice of the angsty airbender Ryu is none other than Napoleon Dynamite himself, John Heater. Did you seriously not catch that? Please don't. I didn't,
0: no. No, I didn't. I'm a very bad at recognizing actors that I would recognize instantly on screen by just their voices. You know, I didn't really? realize it was Aubrey Plaza at first and like Oh, and, that's
1: right. That's so funny cuz like they have two of the most distinct voices
0: but <laughs> at like the same time actor but at the same time you may remember that like anybody who's a voice actor from like cartoon shows and stuff that i've loved i instantly Mm -hmm. recognize them you know voice of lex Luthor from the justice League, voice of robin from teen titans you know voice of spike from cowboy bebop like i instantly recognize them because all i have is their voices but when it's an actor whose face i would see in a movie or a show i just don't recognize it i'm bad (laughs) like that yeah
1: no it's napoleon dynamite which is funny because like I know that that is like his star role. That's the thing that everybody thinks of or the role everyone thinks of when they think of John heater. I actually think of him from blades of glory, (laughs) which like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but oh my God, it's hilarious. It's him and Will Ferrell and they're like competing male figure skaters and they have to work together. And like, (laughs) it's just the most ridiculous movie, but it's actually great.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to put that on the list for my Friday movie nights.
1: Yes, it kind of is in the vein of something like Balls of Fury or you know um, Nacho Libre, like those ridiculous yeah. sport movies <laughs> that have like you know these big actor stars, but like it's actually really good. I love it. Um, good. It's a big It's a very big movie in my house. Um, I'll
0: put it on the list.
1: <laughs> thank you, Captain America. Uh, <laughs> and our second fun fact is that the creators wanted to show the new airbenders who came, or sorry, the creators want to show the new airbenders that came from the Fire Nation, but were unable to given the narrative timeline of book three, as well as the production issues that would come with creating more characters. So I thought that was really interesting because, yeah, in this whole season, the only places that we see airbenders pop up is the Earth Kingdom. But that wasn't, like, they were going to be everywhere, you know, in the Mm -hmm. Fire Nation, Water Tribe, all that. Um, and I'm kind of sad that we don't get to, like, hop around like they did in season one, because we do a little bit in the Earth Kingdom in this episode. But, like, I would have loved to have gone to, like, the Fire Nation again, or, you know, maybe not the Water Tribe since we spent all last season there. But come on, let's go to the Yeah, Fire we're, a li- we're
0: a little bit waterlogged. We're a little waterlogged.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I thought that, that was really interesting. I would have loved to have seen a, you know, a Fire Nation citizen get
0: airbending
1: because like it would have been so so
0: funny. I just like in my mind envisioned like a young airbender from the Fire Nation, Mm -hmm. which like I have a comment on this, but like of of like somebody in the house, either like an older sister or like a mom or something going along and like firebending, like lighting like candles in a parlor, and then like as a prank the like airbending kid like blowing them all out. She's like, huh, and like lighting them all again. Like that would (laughs) have been funny.
1: Right. Okay, so I just remember something, actually. Um, So you remember uh, Avatar, or not Avatar, sorry, Fire Lord Sozin? Yes. Yes, so this is not in the show or anything, but this is just like, I guess, added canon lore for him. He had a sister, a younger sister, Sizen, I think is what her name is. Um, She was the princess of the Fire Nation when he was the prince, and she was a non-bender, but... I believe that she moved to the, one of the air nomad temples and like fell in love with an air nomad and, and like ended up living there and like having their culture and all that. Um, and so it's ironic that like her brother would ultimately be the, the Adolf Hitler of avatar and genocide, right. all of the people that she grew to love, you know, marry into and like envelop in their culture. Um so yeah, I guess that that kind of is, you know, an example of a Fire Nation citizen taking yeah. on air nomad culture that I just thought of. I was like, oh yeah, I think that Sozin had a sister that did that. Um well, you can't I mean, just you could
0: just you could just leave that like that. What happened to, to to what happened to her? Did she die with the purge of the airbenders? Did oh they God, like can what happened to you? Imagine how
1: tragic that would have been. I don't know. Right. Okay, hang on. Now I now I need to look this up because I'm uh, so
0: invested in this right now.
1: I know. Literally, Sozin's whole story could be its own show. Like it's so fascinating with him and Roku and now his sister. Um, yeah, yeah. It's
0: like this. It's like that flashback is like the finale. It's like ever. It's like the entire flashback is like three season finales of what should be a three season show of like <laughs> right? Roku and like Roku and Sozin.
1: Okay, I'm not seeing there's like way too much to read so i'm not gonna read it but Uh i do want to look more into that because i am curious now but since we're this is gonna be
0: our subplot this season
1: (laughs) literally this has nothing to do with legend of korra but um i i've heard i don't know if this is true or not but god i hope it is i have heard what the opening scene will be of the live action avatar netflix show and it sounds incredible (laughs) And if they pull it off, I'm gonna be like, You son of a bitch, you did it. Uh, but basically, okay. uh-huh. um, we would yeah. start. It sounds like we're starting with the genocide of the air nomad people, with Sozan directly going to the air nomads himself and wiping them out and confronting Monkey And like, that's in the whole scene of like, you know, him being incinerated or whatever and leaving the skeleton behind. Like, yeah, yeah, that. I'm just like, oh my god. And having dragons, it's the dragons that help them. Like, yeah. It's, I'm like, this is insane. That would be this incredible. Game of Thrones level. And I want it so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that's awesome. These are, these are the kind of changes that I am here for. Like, we don't have yeah. to start immediately immediately with Sokka and Katara, you know, fishing in the boat. We could start with the genocide of the air nomad people and then lead into, you know, a much lighter thing like that um man it i'm i'm so hyped and we're getting stuff in two weeks for it i'm so excited oh <laughs> man yeah sorry guys are gushing Pro- uh, probably
0: at, probably at the time this episode airs uh
1: yeah, probably actually yeah probably um <laughs> So hopefully we will have some more stuff to talk about when, you know, if hopefully we get a teaser of some kind or even a trailer, it's been so yeah. long since they started production. But, uh, anyway, back to Legend of Korra. I'm so sorry. Guys. That was a big ass detour.
0: Um, no, no, all it all has to do with Avatar, you know, and we're, we're up to our ears in Avatar culture around here. So we'd love to hear it.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So, yes, main plot of this episode is that Korra and the gang and Tenzin are all going around um, in this giant tricked out airship. Recruiting um, by, the Axmen. Yes, recruiting, or trying to at least, and failing miserably. Um, <laughs> and I do love all of Tenzin's like little pitches, the elevator pitches that get the door slammed in his face. Like, you get funny. to shave
0: your head. Our vegetarian diet is very nutritious.
1: That one would turn me off. I'd be like, nope, I love meat too much.
0: <laughs> Same. like, Yeah, I'm like Sokka all the way. I need my meat.
1: <laughs> Literally. I love Sokka so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the, the kid being told that he'll get tattoos all over his body right in front of his mom. Very funny. Um,
0: <laughs> the, so your best friend will be a giant bison.
1: That That's a pretty good selling point. I agree with him. Like, that that would have gotten me. Yeah, <laughs> Just maybe yeah. leave out the veganism. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, or I think they're not vegan, but they're vegetarian. Anyway, yes. um, but uh, yeah, so they eventually go to this little village and they are talking with this farmer and his family that have, you know, he's discovered that he is airbending and he can't quite control it yet. And I've actually find this to be very fascinating. I wish that the episode had more of this, honestly, because like this is a really like rough thing to have to pitch to somebody that like, hey, drop everything all your family your home you know your livelihood and come with us to join our airbending cult <laughs> like
0: that's a, uh no hello nobody... jedi jedi order like snatching babies to join. Bunch.
1: yeah exactly right? i didn't like it then i don't like it now <laughs> but uh yeah sith all the way
0: <laughs> yep
1: um but uh yeah and so fire
0: nation supremacy aman was right oh <laughs> sith God, all yeah. the way yeah this Absolutely. yeah this episode this this podcast we really are on the dark side over here just <laughs> we are <yeah.
1: laughs> um join the dark side it's really cool <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah and so the farmer puts up like some very good points that like no i'm not going with you i have a family i have a farm like i have a life here i'm not just gonna leave with you to become an air nomad i might have yeah. airbending powers but i'm not a nomad like and i'm right. like yeah tell him <laughs> like yeah I'd be the same. It's,
0: it's really it's really funny because like it does pose an interesting fo and man like i'll tell you this is like the this is the parts of the show where like the writing is so smart and and I'm happy to see stuff like this because you the last thing you would want with this kind of situation is to just have people jumping up willy-nilly and like the instant that some bald guy with a tattoo on his head says, Hey, you wanna join the airbending cult basically like you said do you want to join Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it's like they're showing up at the door it's like sir do you have a moment to speak about our lord and savior ang you know (laughs) that they're they're just converting people left and right like that would be dumb because the exact question that rio brings up is like exactly the point these people aren't just like the guy on the bridge who's like running away from his life and just happy to find a place to stay they're people who have lives if you randomly got superpowers and somebody showed up at your door and was like hey because you have a superpower now you come join us you'd be like no i got a day job to go to i gotta go to this place in another couple months my rents due. like you know this week yeah yeah (laughs) you know you'd be like spider-man in uh in um civil war where he is like i can't go to germany i've got like what did he have going on Like finals or whatever i don't he had, know he but had yeah. homework he had, he had homework right exactly <laughs> but life goes on is the point you have responsibilities you can't just pack up and be a superhero like it's just funny to see the good guys team avatar put in a position where they have to kind of come to grips with the fact that they are they are a little bit out of touch with like the Mm -hmm. everyman you know
1: absolutely and you know i like that they play the farmer and his rejection of tenzin's proposal to, to join the air nomads more seriously and more logically Whereas when we get to Ryu, this, like, 22-year-old, you know, slob living at home with his mom in the basement. Oh, sorry, I (laughs) mixed up the name, sorry, yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, You know, voiced by Napoleon Dynamite, (laughs) like, and he just does not care at all. He's a typical, you know, young adult. (laughs) Um, He is, what is it, Gen Z? (laughs) <laughs> <Gen Z crucified. laughs> but I love that Cora, you know, she really does try at first to be like nice and like, you know, accommodating to him and, you know, telling him all about this new, like, as she says, um, what does she say about it it's like a new opportunity there we go yeah and he just doesn't care and so she immediately snaps into kiyoshi mode and just like grabbing him and like roughhousing him and just being her chorus self that i love like just head first you yeah. know just
0: kid- kidnap a whole man for the good of the of, of the erno
1: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely as you should
0: <laughs> so. yes
1: um and just how frustrated you, she gets you, by him
0: you have a new opportunity to build the air nomad nation do not resist
1: <laughs> literally yes and like him just so passively just being like you know you don't like i don't want to do this and she's like well i didn't ask to be the avatar but i am and i'm fulfilling my duties and he's just like you don't have to
0: like yeah i do yes i do no you don't <laughs>
1: It's just so funny to me because I'm like, that's such an accurate argument with someone like him. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that that character interaction is hilarious. Cora uh, is very out of her depth. Um, doesn't know how to talk to people her own age. I feel that. <laughs> so, <Oof. laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And then we finally get to this little earthbending town and Bolin has the idea to put on, well, sorry, it's Bolin and Boomy that kind of work think together you know one brain cell of putting on a kind of show like a circus show um to show off the airbending to the people and show oh it can be fun too it's not all you know fuddy duddy yeah which i thought
0: was awesome considering that bolin had so much experience as sort of a showman um, (laughs) in in his in his time in the movers he saw Mm -hmm. the way that he can motivate people and i love him approaching the situation with this like enthusiasm and confidence and it pays off Because I kind of hate, I kind of hate the like played out trope. I mean, it's a good trope, but it's really played out. I think especially with Bolin of having characters with all the enthusiasm and a kind of a crazy idea and like Hmm. it's there so that they can embarrass themselves and have the other characters like roll their eyes and be like, okay, let's do it the serious way now and play it for laughs. It was awesome that he could have a sort of a harebrained, fun idea, like an avatar, and have the crazy, fun ideas be the right choices. Like, it's what gives that sense of whimsy and adventure, and makes it fun that, like, not everything is handled by murdering the bad guy, you know?
1: Or forcibly, you know, kidnapping somebody. <laughs> yes, Exactly.
0: Will. yeah is thinking season one bolin's (laughs) thinking season three you know
1: exactly yeah and i do love that um and honestly like i thought that they put on a pretty good convincing show like you got not only tenzin being daddy and shirtless we love that which was
0: Uh, awesome
1: (laughs) exactly who knew he was hiding all that under those robes um but uh and then you've got you know um I mean, this cora is the reason using... why
0: the guy's got like four kids so i
1: understand. know right oh man his um, wife kisses
0: him goodbye every time he <laughs> leaves have you noticed
1: <laughs> yes um but uh yeah it's and then you have cora you know making a full out of Mako which we love <laughs> i love
0: i mean my man mako could do a lot of things but bolin's got all the acting talent let's just yeah. say that
1: you will reap my fire poof <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> the pathetic I'm old sorry. fire blast you
0: i'm sorry though his like mopiness about it gave me like zuko memories uh, <laughs> yes. just, just like hands in his pocket like oh, i guess i'll go along with this like Krabby yes. season three zuko just kind of moping oh, yeah. along
1: absolutely um they, they do love an angsty firebending boy. Um, yes, we do.
0: And,
1: and then, you know, you have Jinora flying with her glider and the bison. Like, it was a pretty good show. And they do manage yeah. to get one recruit, which is a new character, Kai. And I just got to say, I absolutely love Kai's design. I think he is adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like. He's like Aladdin. I don't know. They love, they must love Aladdin in the Avatar writing room because they've done it twice now with Juan and with Kai. Yep. It's just the same character, but I don't care because yeah, I love that archetype.
0: Yeah. We love a street rat.
1: We love a street rat with a heart of gold and a cute design. We do. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... Kai joins the group. Turns out that he, like like we said, is a street rat. He stole, you know, he's an orphan boy that stole from his foster family, and is on the run. And so he gives back the life savings that he stole, and he joins Team Avatar. And we'll see what happens with all that. um <laughs> I love how
0: Mako and Bolin both take like, put their arms around him, so to speak. Bolin like a reassuring hand on the shoulder. Mako more like a headlock. <laughs> And just right. like, we're your older brothers. Except Bolin is like, it's great to have you. You can call, me, you know, just think of me as your older brother. And then there's Mako, and he's like, I'm watching you, kid.
1: <laughs> right. He's got detective mode on.
0: It's almost like they have a good cop, bad cop thing going on. Hey, a little Mako hey, joke there. Mako. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Um, I do love that. And so that's kind of all that happens within the a plot is just recruiting or trying to recruit the airbenders the b plot though is like the real fun part of the episode in my opinion um definitely the badass Mm -hmm. part of the episode where we see this i gonna say zazir zaheer
0: oh before we before we d- dig into it though can i just say one more thing that i forgot uh oh, yeah. right at the beginning of the episode before we finish talking about mako and bolin i love bolin convincing mako to come along with oh, yeah. the sob story about grandma wondering <laughs> where mako know? is where's mako and he you know he's home doing like police paperwork or something and <laughs> she just cries oh, with grandma Marco. and then she dies
1: yes Yes. um i do again i've said from from season one episode one i love mako and bolin as a duo like they're great yeah no i think that that's aside from one other character that is introduced in season four for mako i think that he has the best chemistry and dynamic with bolin which i mean makes sense they're Mm -hmm. brothers but um i do love their scenes together and uh yeah (laughs) they're just they're great comedic duo that balance each other very nicely with how different they are Um, well i like
0: the way that we've written them different in season one versus season two you know in season one they were very very close you know we really saw the two of them as a united front we saw the two of them only divided by cora into sort of being like you know having this tension or disconnect between the two of them um but in the end they had the whole like you know we're okay aren't we of course we're brothers you know and there was a real real strong real heartfelt bond between them in season two that wasn't there so much because we immediately divided them where uh mako was involved with his police stuff and bolin mm-hmm. was distracted uh well he was either in, in relationship incarceration or he <laughs> right. was completely distracted by Verrick but the guy was kind of like sidelined away from mako where mako had to pretty much chase him down and bug him to like
1: oh yeah and they, be the they brother like he moved needed. out of Yeah. And they moved out of living together, like which they had been doing in season one. So like they were even more divided, even when they weren't at their jobs, quote unquote. Um, But uh, yeah, so it is nice to have them back together again. And they do have a lot of scenes together this season, um, which I really, really like. So yeah good for you writers for uh, putting them back together again where they belong well because,
0: well, because of all of the like conflict of keeping them apart with like either you know disagreements between them about what's going on or like mad at each other's choices or like just relationship stuff in the way it's just such a big distraction from what otherwise is a great great interaction to see one that we haven't seen you know the the sibling relationship is different between like Sokka and Katara in in Avatar. You know, there's a lot more sort of the mm-hmm. you know big brother little sister thing going on. But here we have two siblings that are like, you know how nice it was when it was like uh, Katara and Toph and they kind of had that like sisterly connection. Mm-hmm. You know, in Avatar after a while. Like we never really had that like zuku and sokka never like bonded that way you know and like Aang and sokka were never like a brother relationship you know they mm-hmm. were still just friends just buddies but like this is something we haven't seen in avatar before and it's great so like i'm glad that there's space for it again
1: yeah absolutely um so and their grandma <laughs> yes poor grandma
0: does uh... their grandma die halfway through season three I don't know <laughs> do we even
1: meet Heather spoilers
0: <laughs> no spoilers no we're not gonna spoil Nothing. this okay Nothing. oh we're in suspense i know
1: so much <sighs> death this season
0: <laughs> i know uh,
1: everybody <laughs> died at the end
0: <laughs> <laughs> but sorry yes villains zaheer <laughs> yes, is villains. on the rampage
1: yes so the first member of um the I guess here's villain gang that we come across is his name is Gazan and he is an earthbender but more specifically he is a lava bender which we have only seen lava bending in the context of the Avatar doing that in the past mm-hmm. you know Kyoshi she lava bent um, the the island so that she could break it apart um, I can't remember what the guy's name is but they're one of the firebending Avatars we see him bending basically volcanoes so you know he lava Mm. bends there but we've never seen
0: didn't roku do that
1: he didn't bend the lava per se i mean i guess he kind well yeah no he did because he yes um in the winter solstice part two i forgot um yeah he did so like i said only the avatar up to this Mm -hmm. point has been shown lava bending and for me i kind of thought that that was just because they were using both fire and earth like that that's kind of what i inferred from that but now we know that it is possible for just an earth bender to lava bend it's just very rare
0: well and it makes sense because like a water bender can change the temperature of the water to freeze it into ice so logically I mean, it it tracks
1: between yeah the elements so
0: i mean granted we're talking about a much more extreme change in temperature we're talking like the difference between changing water from a liquid state into a solid state could be depending on the temperature of the water only a change of a few degrees but like to change rock into lava again like you said very specialized subcategory of of earth bending because you need to heat it like like some insane temperature to like (laughs) turn it into into lava
1: yes exactly um and I kind of had like a little fan theory and I'm sure others have too, that maybe Kazan had fire nation. Like maybe he was both fire uh-huh. nation and um, earth nation heritage and that uh-huh. he just happened to be an earth bender, but that's why he was able to love bend. I don't think that's the case, but
0: um, it's, and an, so, it's an interesting theory.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh so zaheer breaks him out gets him some rocks that he can lava bend and it's really cool and he's out in the middle of the ocean so he's much like the um the earthbenders in the imprisoned episode in avatar who are on the metal barge that you love oh so much still Um, the
0: best location in all of avatar other than the library
1: that is the weirdest thing i swear
0: it's Um, awesome
1: (laughs) I mean, it's cool but like the best location come on it's um, awesome but uh yeah so he's out in the middle of nowhere in a wooden box basically um which i'm sure the fire nation learned after you know korra or not korra sorry katara and toph um you know broke out of their own wooden box so yeah he breaks him out and they bro hug it out and <laughs> then they go and get mingwa who is so cool um and she is hovering you know thousands not thousands hundreds of feet above a volcano because she is a waterbender um an armless waterbender at that and i know that some people when it first came out they were confused as to how she was waterbending without arms and i mean it's pretty simple first of all bending is nothing more than psychic like manipulation right. of the elements like yeah the martial arts is how you use the bent like that is how you bend yeah. um
0: but if you know if you know how to move your arms in a way in order to focus your bending and later on you lose your arms in the accident or something you're still going through you still know how to move you're your going arms through you the motion. don't have any yeah <laughs> right. the, and... your, your mind is still doing the exact same thing that's why people experience phantom limbs
1: right exactly and even then tai chi which is what water bending is based off of is more than just arm movements it's also a Correct. lot of leg movements as well so like most martial arts it's not just arms or legs it's usually both um yeah. and so you know I, I was totally bought it i was like yeah arm yeah. Ar- water arm lady stop cool.
0: overthinking everything people
1: <laughs> seriously it's cool don't it's the rule of cool don't it's, overthink it exactly it's the um, rule of cool <laughs> exactly um and yeah, funnily enough, ming is actually voiced by Azula, by Grey Delisle, which I'm sure you picked up on. Whose voice
0: I immediately recognized.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and she voices a bunch of, you know, the mushroom spirit, the, the spider spirit in the last season. So she's sprinkled throughout right. this uh, show. But uh, yeah, Ming-Hua is definitely her biggest role And I love that she doesn't even really try to like disguise her voice or make it sound very different from Azula. It's just gravelier. That's it. (laughs) It's like Azula. She was a waterbender all along, (laughs) but um, yeah, and she's so cool. Uh, The use of the waterbending that she displays is so inventive and creative and fast, like it's crazy how fast like her fight scenes are not just in this episode, but going forward, like it's, she's like, like I said, she is one of those top tier waterbenders up there with, you know, Amon, uh, Tarlok, Katara, like Paku, although she's way up there. Um, mm. And it's just really, really cool to see um, her break out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, yeah, uh, finally uh,
0: we're seeing a character who's as OP as the kids from Avatar.
1: Right? Yeah, Those no, absolute
0: honestly,
1: monsters. Honestly, I stand by that statement. <laughs> that is probably the truest thing I've ever said on this show. Is it is. The, the kids in Avatar are way too OP. Like people say that Korra. Godlike and power. Bro- yeah that they're underpowered i'm like hell no those kids were killing machines
0: especially <laughs> oh. top, top like literally war. like like do you remember when they went into the the what was it the earth kingdom where they were like clears like clearing away the guards mm-hmm. by like the hundreds like yes. she could have rolled the entire city up like a fruit roll up <laughs> that girl yep.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, the Earth Kingdom, the attack on the Earth Palace was incredible. Um, But uh, yeah, no, so, but it is cool to see OP characters again, because, you know, that's just what we were so used to with Avatar that when we didn't get that, you're like, oh, everyone's so underpowered. But no, we do still have a lot of OP characters. They're just older. They're the older characters, not the young ones, which makes sense. (laughs) They would be.
0: and on top of it, what's cool is that we're starting to see a little bit more, and this is something I really like on this on this same note, we're starting to see Korra do more impressive in what I would say more avatar-like power. How mm-hmm. ironic is it that Katara is only like spirit bending like an entire building or uh, excuse me chorus yeah cora is like spirit bending like an entire building like a skyscraper with the vines all over it Mm -hmm. you know and and like the she's doing it now but she doesn't have a connection to her past lives where she was like the like she was debatably the worst bender of like all of team avatar (laughs) Up until now, like now she's better. Like I guess all the the pressure of like hundreds of past lives looking over her shoulder, she's like, I can't perform if you're watching me.
1: It's all the avatars' fault. They're holding me back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The I'm references sorry, in today's episode, like <laughs> like t- take a shot every time you understand a reference. <laughs>
1: You're not going to be drunk. You're going to be dead by the time this episode ends. <laughs> Alcohol as, poisoning.
0: As dead as Bolin and Mako's grandma. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. But, uh, yeah, no, I, it is really cool. Um, and this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the bending in this season. Like, this well, and on the top of it, ap- ap-
0: apparently Zaheer, I think it's Zaheer, has got this girlfriend, is Zaheer's girlfriend, that yeah. they're, like, that uh that she's um uh ming 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 hua is that her name ming yeah Minghua. that ming hua's uh references where she's like oh we got to get your girlfriend you know mm-hmm. and he's all like oh yeah we're getting her next or whatever he says i they don't even show her so i'm just like oh, this got to be a big one
1: well actually you have seen her she was in the trailer it's combustion woman <laughs>
0: I was thinking that's who it was. I yeah. was thinking that's who it was gonna be.
1: <laughs> yep. That, oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering <laughs> if that was her. I'm so happy you've confirmed it for me. Yeah, oh, I not it's, it's not
1: now. really meant to be like a giant because again it's in the trailer. It's oh, not yeah, meant no, to be like but, this gigantic yeah. reveal or anything. But yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He watched the trailer before, you know, when we finished season two, everybody. So he did see mm-hmm. snippets of this season and Ming or uh not Mingwa, but Pali, the girlfriend of Zaheer and the Combustion Woman is in the trailer, so it's not much of a spoiler. Oh, yeah, but yeah, um no. yeah, yeah, so we, we will definitely get to her when we get to her. But uh yeah, so it's it's pretty cool now that you know all the villains are coming together and the pieces are falling into place. We're heading to Bossing Se to you know recruit more Earthbender or not Earthbenders, sorry Airbenders. Right. Um, and like
0: and the avat the adventure is back i keep saying it but it's back we've got mm -hmm. the villain team assembling on the other side we've got like new allies and new characters on the heroes side we've got this trip to a familiar place in the form of boston say that all the avatar fans like oh my gosh what's boston say like after you know however much time has passed by Mm -hmm. now between avatar and Korra? and 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 then and then to cap off the episode
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you wanted to talk about.
0: He's back. It's Our Zuko. Boy. Zuko's back.
1: Our boy's back. Hello, Zuko here.
0: <laughs> yes. Old man Zuko. I and love like it.
1: A perfect blend of like Iroh and Roku. You know, he's got like yep. Iroh's top knot, longer hair, but Roku's beard, and obviously he's got mm-hmm. his iconic uh, scar. And, you know, it's not the same voice actor. It's not Dante Bosco. But honestly, I think so. that the voice actor actually does a pretty good job of, like, capturing that very... It's a very unique voice that Dante Bosco has, a kind of very gravelly voice. Um, and so I, I really like that they, you know, again, teased him at the end of this episode. And that not only is he going after Zaheer and his gang because he knows how dangerous they are and that they need to be stopped... But he's going after them on his dragons.
0: Mm-hmm. Which
1: I don't know if you remember, but back in um, the Firebending Masters episode where you know, Aang and Zuko go learn from the dragons, the egg that Zuko picks up and he, he literally says it feels almost alive before all the goo comes up and it's a trap. We, the Avatar fans, believe that that is that that egg actually was a true dragon egg and that that is how he has a dragon all these years later is that that egg hatched and became his pet. Um, so just a little fun (laughs) avatar verse It's not canon. I don't believe, but it is a very popular fanon.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the actor, the actor who does, um, old Zuko's voice is actually Bruce Davidson and he is in an awful lot of things
1: i'm not he familiar a, with him what's he in
0: he has a very very extensive imdb a lot of things that i actually myself haven't even seen uh he was in he was in kingdom the tv series kingdom he played ron prince he was in uh he was in black beauty oh, obviously legend of cora's on here um he was in the tv series luck he's in just like a lot of things it's just like a ton of things he's <laughs> in he's in a tv series called 1923 right now um that has harrison ford in it. he's also in that
1: hmm. interesting yeah
0: so he's in like a ton of things I'm, i couldn't place him but it's so interesting that he is a very seasoned actor has been in a lot of stuff
1: Oh, yeah. That's something that I love about both Avatar <clears throat> and Legend of Korra is that, you know, you'll have these like cameos or side characters or whatever that will pop up and they'll be voiced by very familiar actors like George Takai, for instance, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a million others. that Of course, I'm blanking on now, but he just immediately came to mind. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just cool that these, you know, cute little kid shows that they're able to get this huge talent um, and that they produce such big talents like Dee Bradley Baker and all that like people that went on to work on other things, Mae Whitman and all that Um, but uh, yeah, so that's cool. I love hearing about the actors, you know, that that aren't like main parts of the of the cast that you know join the yeah. show well because um,
0: especially especially because you know i would think to myself that for a character as big as zuko that they wouldn't just get oh a really talented voice actor in there that he had to have been some actor of some renown maybe not somebody with the mm-hmm. most notable voice where you would immediately pick out it's him but still an actor who you would recognize from things and that it's special that he's in the role so that's very right. cool to be honest with you i'll probably check out a little bit more of bruce davidson's uh davison's excuse me his, uh roles and stuff that he's in just because now he's zuko
1: right <laughs> like how could you not <laughs> <laughs>
0: um the episode overall is just again fantastic it's got humor with maku and Bolin. it's got the entire um you know trek of them going around and trying to recruit the the airbenders it's got heartwarming moments with the adoption basically of kai into team avatar and it's got the intense drama and in action um with uh gazon and Hua being freed and our villain our villainous force looming and Mm -hmm. what they all the intrigue behind them yeah um this episode is awesome um (laughs) i don't i i I can only as always rate it compared to just other episodes of the show and how much i've enjoyed them and i gotta tell you this one's pretty high up there it's fun it's action-packed solid nine out of ten for me
1: Mm, very nice um, i'm gonna go a little lower i'm actually gonna agree with the imdb rating for once and give it an 8.5 out of 10. um i agree with everything that you said but just because i know what's coming up i'm like Ugh you're
0: not ready <laughs> <laughs> i just in good conscience couldn't give it the same as the last one because the last one's an 8.5 but it had some meandering parts in it with like stuff discussion between like asami and cora about mako and i was like oh gosh not relationship stuff again and so like the absence mostly of that in this episode was definitely a step up as they focused more on like story stuff and didn't dwell on that stuff too long so That's it was totally definitely mark and plus it gets a plus point an extra point five for me just because zuko's in it <laughs> i have to honor the tradition
1: (laughs) exactly um yeah i mean all around very strong start for the first two episodes of this season and it only gets better oh
0: yeah well there's a lot of things already built up there's the tension over the new villainous force there's the developments of the spirit world and the human world and how will they being joined together how will that evolve there's the search for the new airbenders and where that will lead them and more importantly than anything and i know i'm gonna be on the, the hanging on all season on this cliffhanger amanda What about Bolin and Maka's grandma? (laughs) (laughs) Is she okay? Will she make it to the end of the season, everybody? Tell us what you think in the comments. Do you think grandma will make it to the end of season (laughs) three?
1: (laughs) That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating and all that good stuff.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.